Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Well, this is Palm Sunday. Tell your neighbor, it's time to worship. We are worshiping. Bible says, present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. So whenever we present ourselves to God, that's an act of worship. You didn't know you can have church sitting down, did you? You're in the house of God. Amen. This is Palm Sunday. Let's stand for a moment. Let's stand up. Open your Bibles. Go with me over to Matthew. But um, I was, uh, one of my time hops came up. And this time last year, I was preaching to a camera that was on top of a table up in the sanctuary with a little wall behind me with some lights and I had to stay right here in order to for people to capture the shot. Well, I thank God that we can move around. Amen. Come on, you want to move around? You can move around right now. We can move around. I got people in the place with me today. I'm not by myself. Come on, let me hear you today. Say, Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of this is maybe your first time back in person? I know we got some in and out every couple. Amen. Good to see you, Rafi. Amen. His brother has been dealing with uh, some health issues and had a surgery. And uh, it was a four-hour surgery. Ended up being a 12-hour surgery. But the man is in the house of God today. So amen. God bless you, brother. Good to have us. You here with us today. Amen. I'm just so excited as we keep moving forward. More and more folks are coming and introducing themselves. Hey, I'm so-and-so. Been watching you online for a while, and uh, it's exciting to to meet you in person. And we're going to get through this thing. We're going to get through this thing. We are moving forward. We are getting through it. Uh, Sometimes I feel like 2021 didn't get the memo that 2020 is over and that we done flipped the page and we're going into a new year. But uh, it can't stop it. We're going anyway in Jesus' name. We're moving forward. Amen? We're moving forward. So today is Palm Sunday. We are Matthew chapter 21. We've been in also in a series about uh, table talks. I'm going to continue with that. I'm going to do something a little different today with the tables. But um, this is the story. I've got many people watching and that are here that may not be, uh, you know, familiar with Palm Sunday. And uh, I grew up in the church, and on this day we usually had little palm branches. Amen. I was going to get some for today. I remember the palm branches. Amen. Anybody else had them at your church? Yeah. Only the special churches that God loved had those palm branches. Amen. And uh, so we learned last week that God's favorite people is short people. He also loves churches with palm branches. Amen. No, I'm just, just getting free today. Come on. I'm just getting free today. Amen. And uh, so, but this day is uh, the day that Jesus came into the city. He, uh, he is coming in. To Jerusalem, he just passed through Jericho where he healed a blind man, and uh, and then he met with Zacchaeus, and he had lunch with Zacchaeus, and we talked about that last week. Transformation at the table, and Zacchaeus got saved. This all happening right here. Now Jesus then moves out of Jericho, and he's at the Mount of Olives. He's coming down into Jerusalem. He's riding on a donkey, and all the people that were touched by Jesus one way or another came out into the city. They are hailing him as the king of Israel. They got palm branches, hence the name Palm Sunday. Branches that they have taken and broken out of trees and collected and gathered. Some took off their jackets and throw their jackets down on the ground and their outer garments for his donkey to ride on because that was the triumphant entry 
procession for a king was to have a red carpet, if you will, as you come into the city. So that's what this was all about. And as he's coming in, they're shouting, the Bible says with a loud voice, Hosanna, Hosanna, who comes in the name of the Lord, the son of David. And you may not know this, but Jesus actually solves a long debate that's been going on in the church for years right here in this moment. The debate is whether or not you should raise your voice and get excited in church or not. That's the debate. Because many people say, well, you're in church. You ain't, you're supposed to be more reserved and you don't really ex need to express yourself. Well, this, this is it. How many of you ever been to churches like that? You can raise your hand. You're at River of Life. Amen. That's okay. Amen. Uh, so that's a debate, and I understand it's a legitimate debate. You come to the house of God, you know, some people think you'd be quiet. Right here it is. They brought it up before Jesus because the Bible says they shouted with a loud voice, Hosanna, Hosanna, who comes in the name of the Lord. And the Pharisees said, Jesus, tell your disciples to be quiet. We don't worship like that here. We worship God on the inside. So much so no one knows what's going on on the outside. I don't know, whatever they said. They, they said but they said, Jesus, tell your disciples to be quiet. So right here it is. Is Jesus going to say, you're right. Everybody calm down. He did not. He said, man, I'm not going to tell them to be quiet because if I do, God will cause the rocks to cry out. He will cause people to worship him. He's going to get his praise one way or another. You know who was in that crowd? You had blind Bartimaeus in that crowd. You had Zacchaeus in that crowd. You had the woman with the issue of blood in that crowd. Oh, I need an organ or something behind me today. I, I feel like preaching that. You had people that were touched by Jesus Christ whose lives were changed forever. You said, Pastor Eddie, why do you get so loud when you preach? Because you don't know where I came from. You don't know what he's done in my life. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. Come on, somebody. Anybody else like that today? Come on, it's Palm Sunday. Come on, you can take your jacket off. It's all right. That person next to you won't mind. Look at you. It's okay to get excited about Jesus. That's the whole point of Palm Sunday. And he's coming into the city. He solves that debate. And he says that you can worship me in spirit and in truth. You can worship me like that because I know what I've done in your life. I was thinking of that first song we sung. I know you're standing. That first song we sung when you came in, I come running out of that grave. Do you know what that song represents? That we once were dead. Have you remembered that you are free? When I sung that song today, I was thinking about a time in my life when I was abound by addiction in my life. When I had to run to something to get happy, just to make it through the weekend, just to make it through. Sometimes we forget what Jesus has set us free from. Paul said in the book of Galatians, he said, why are you returning back to these little elementary things uh, that lead to sorrow because the church of Galatia was returning. They, were, they, they forgot. He said, you have forgotten what Jesus has set you free from. I don't know what 2020 has done to you or what season of life you are in that maybe has caused you to start to lose your praise. I just want to remind you today that you are free. If you are in Christ, you are free. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. You're free. You don't need that no more. You don't need to go back to that no more. You come running out of that grave. Hallelujah. Sermon number two. Now we get to what I wanted to talk about here today. In, chapter, uh, in Matthew chapter 21, verse 12. After he comes riding in on the donkey, he settles the debate of praising, Jesus, of praising God. 
And then he says, Then Jesus, verse 12, went into the temple of God, and he drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple, and he overturned the tables, the money changers, and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Luke says that Jesus said it like this, My house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. I love Luke's, Luke's gospel because he's writing. He tells the stories that involve non-Jews uh, because he wants to let everyone know that Jesus came for everyone. You guys know that. That's only the book of Luke where you find the good Samaritan and over and over and over again. But I like his emphasis, but I chose this one for today because uh, there's some other things in there. Look at verse 14. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. See, they don't like that kind of praise. They were upset. And they said to Jesus, don't you hear what they're saying? Jesus said, have you not read? I love that. People say, what are you worshiping like that? What are you doing like that? Why do you have church like that? I say, have you not read in the Bible? Have you not read in the Bible who the sun sets free is free indeed? Have you not read in the Bible that clap your hands all ye people, make a joyful noise, shout unto the Lord? Don't you know that we're supposed to be the people set an example in the earth today of what a free person really looks like? What a person that's been touched by Almighty God looks like? Come on, I'm fired up. I had two cups of coffee today. I supported two missionaries today. Come on, hallelujah. So... And then they, and Jesus said, have you not read that, yes, you have, uh, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Then he left them. He went out of the city of Bethany and he lodged there. Sometimes, you, I like it, it says he left them. He left them. Sometimes you just got to leave some folks alone. Some people that's hindering your praise, you just got to leave them alone. I mean, hey, put you in God's hand. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve God. Well, that's a message for somebody. I'm going to serve God anyway. Amen title of my message today, I'm going to go a little C.S. Lewis on you today, and the title is The Donkey, The Whip, and The Tables. Lord, we are really cooking through the time today. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray you speak to our hearts afresh today. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and be seated. The Donkey, The Whip, and The Tables. As Jesus was coming in, everything, everything Jesus did, how many know he was... Um, teaching a lesson. There are so many life lessons that Jesus taught in just the things that he did. The, the, uh, John wrote in the Bible in his gospel and said, these are just some of the things that Jesus did. If I would write everything down that I saw Jesus both do and teach, he says that all the books of the world couldn't contain it. So we only have just a fraction of the things that Jesus taught and the things that he did. You just think about it. God of the universe coming down as a man to impact humanity for eternity, but he had to do it in the span of only three and a half years. That was as long as Jesus' ministry was, was only three and a half years. So he didn't waste any time. Everything he did, he, he did it to teach, whether it was washing feet, whether it was teaching, whether it was cursing a fig tree, whatever it was he was doing, healing a blind man, writing in the dirt, all of these things that you just think are just, you know, added into the story for whatever. No, no, they were, they, were all, they were all on purpose. They were all intentional to teach us 
some things and to teach us life lessons. And as you read these scriptures in the Bible, you probably have found this out. I love the Bible. The Bible will come to life. How many know that? You read the Bible, it will come to life. The Bible is just a living word. It's not like any other book that you've ever read. You pray, and if you have the Spirit of God in you, as you read it, He will speak to your heart. He will show you things. I've preached this text, I don't know how many times now, being a pastor. I've been a pastor eight years now. By the way, next Sunday will be my eighth year anniversary as being your pastor. Amen. So, thank you. We've been in church. We've been here since 2002. I've been a youth pastor for 11 years. But I've been preaching this every, every uh, Easter and Palm Sunday. I pull from this text. And I get something different every time. And this time as I look through there, uh, the donkey and the whip and the tables, they all kind of stood out to me. And I believe there are some life lessons in all three of these. The first one is the donkey. What is the significance of a donkey, of a mule that Jesus was riding? Well, in, in ancient times, it's very significant of uh, what a king would ride as he came into procession, as he came into triumphant entry. Whether it be after a battle or after a, wall, um, a war, he would come riding in. So they would measure the size of the horses by the breadth of hands. They would go from the ground, and they would go like this, from the ground to the shoulder of the horse. They measured the height of it. The commander of the army had to be at least one or two breaths higher than the rest of the horses. But a king had to have at least three hand breaths taller than everyone, even the commander of the army, because he's the king. It had to be the most uh, healthiest, prettiest, thoroughbred horse, the best that they had to offer when the king come riding into the city. But here it's prophesied that the Messiah will come riding in on a donkey. What was Jesus' message? Why was he coming in on a donkey? If everything he does and everything he said was a lesson, was something that we are to uh, write about, and there are even books written on all of the works of Jesus. I mean, one miracle, you know, there's like a books that are written on it because there's so many different things, as I said, that Jesus teaches us. I believe what the donkey is representing is Jesus is setting a tone. He's making a statement for his messianic ministry. He's getting ready to go into Jerusalem for the last time of his earthly ministry. This is supposed to be the time where Christ, the Messiah, Messiah is supposed to come and set the Roman people free. I mean, this is a big, big moment. But yet, instead of coming in on a very beautiful stallion or a beautiful horse, he comes riding in on a donkey. And it is this, that the king is coming, but not like you thought. In fact, you need to write this down, that God will fulfill his word, but not always like you thought. Come on, how many is here today? This is a life lesson that you need to get down into your spirit, that, that God will fulfill his word, just like he said he would. He is a God that watches over his word. You raise your children in the church. If you plant your seeds in the word, the Bible says you train them up in the way that they should go. When they're older, they will not depart. But he didn't tell you that they may stray a little bit in the middle or they may struggle a little bit here and there. But you can rest assured that God will fulfill his promise. It just always happens in a way that you don't think. I mean, you need to realize this because this isn't just about Palm Sunday. This is about every area of your life. Listen, when Jesus was coming riding into town, they thought, they thought that the Messiah was going to set the Jews free from Roman oppression. But he was coming to set everyone free from their sin. Did you catch that? 
They thought he was coming to set them free from Rome. He was coming to set them free from sin. They thought he was coming to give them a better life. He was coming to give them eternal life. He was, they thought he was coming to finally make Rome pay for the oppression of their people. Jesus is going to come overthrow Rome. It's about time. They've been oppressing us. The Jewish people have been oppressed by Egypt by so, throughout history. And the Messiah is prophesied to set the captives free. Isn't that what Jesus said in this first lesson? In his first message, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And here they thought he was coming to make Rome pay, but instead he came to pay for the oppression and the sins that all of us have committed. Come on, somebody. You see the big picture. You got to see the big picture when Jesus, in Jesus' life when you read the Bible. There are, a matter of fact, when it comes to not understanding the, the ways God do things, he fulfills his word, but not always like you thought. There are actually about 400 people in the Bible given leadership responsibilities, but only 25% of them finished in the will of God. Many of them lost it because of this right here. And the ones that did make it, the 25%, which I'll be mentioning a few of them, John the Baptist. John the Baptist almost, almost lost it. Because remember, he's the one that baptized Jesus and said, he's the one that made that powerful uh, introduction to Jesus by saying, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Remember that? I mean, that's John eating wild locusts and honey, wearing camel hair. Come on, somebody. I think I'm going to wear a camel hair suit next Sunday just for Easter. Make it bright blue or something. I mean, that was John. He made, but he was the first one to say, hey, he, this is the son of God. I mean, John was on point. The Pharisees come out. He was on the greeting team. And this is how he greeted people when they came out to his ministry. Brood of vipers. Who invited you to church today? Come on, everybody, just look straight ahead. That's what he did. He called them brood of vipers. He insulted them big time. And that was John. But if you look at his life, do you know when things begin to not turn out the way that he thought? When he was speaking the truth and everybody in the culture was losing their ever-loving mind and sleeping around even in the palace. He looked at Herod and said, Herod, you got your brother's wife. What you doing? You committing adultery. I mean, that's John. He was like, hey. Herod put him in prison. And when he was in prison, getting ready to get his head chopped off, he sends a message to Jesus and the message was are you the Messiah or should we still be looking for another one how many know God will fulfill his word but it's not always the way that we thought but I love Jesus Jesus says you go tell John there hasn't been a greater prophet born among women than John the Baptist. He is doing exactly what I've called him to do, even though it's not turning out the way that you thought it was supposed to turn out. You're still my man. I'm still with you. Come on, somebody. Over and over and over again, Abraham. Look at Abraham. Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. You're going to have many, many kids. That was a blessing back in those days. Come on, somebody. Seriously, he was like, yeah, I'm going to be a father of many nations. But, by the way, it's going to take you 15 years before you have your first child. You're going to get impatient. You're going to sleep with Hagar and birth an Ishmael who will cause tension in the Middle East for the rest of history. Remember that? 
Abraham brought him, my God brought him out, and he saw the stars in the sky. He said, you're going to have children as many as them. You're going to be the known. You're going to be the father, the father of faith. You're going to be the father of many nations. But you had to go through all of this over and over again. David, I could go on and on and on. David, you're going to be king of Israel. David was mocked because he was a short man. Come on, somebody. You got to look at last week's message and catch that joke. He was made fun of by his brothers when it come time to audition for the king. His brothers and his own father didn't even believe he had a chance and told him to go babysit the sheep. I mean, you talk about being uh, abused and picked on. This guy had it all. But yet when Samuel came, long story short, he brought Dan, Dan, uh, David out in front of all those that mocked him, in front of all those that said he ain't never going to do anything but be another statistic. He ain't going to be able to have a healthy marriage. He ain't going to be able to have over uh, victory over addiction. He's not going to be able to do anything for anybody. God has a way of bringing people out right in front of those that mocked you and made fun of you and falsely accused you and didn't believe in you. And right in front of all of them, he, the, uh, Samuel anointed him as the next king of Israel. Woo! Come on, somebody. Right in front of everybody. That's the story. Powerful. David, you will sit on the throne and you will rule my people. Um, but first, <laughs> you're going to have to fight Philistine's warrior, which is a giant. Uh, then you're going to be betrayed by your mentor who's going to mentor you but then get jealous of you and lose his ever-loving mind and throw spears at you and chase you. And you're going to have to live out in those rocks that you love to write psalms and sing about. You're going to live in those rocks for about 15 years. So although I'm anointing you king today, it will be almost 20 years before you sit on that throne. It's some good preaching today on Palm Sunday. Why? Because he will fulfill his promise, just not the way you thought. Don't lose it. Out of all of these people, and I can go on and on, let's go to New Testament, Mary and Joseph. Mary, you're going to give birth. I mean, Gabriel appeared to her. Remember that? How about that? How many ever had an angel appear to you? Don't raise your hand. I'll rebuke you right now. Church. No, I'm just saying. I saw four of them on the way to church today. <laughs> well, then you preach. Amen. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> I get free, and then I get too free. Come on, somebody. Amen. Gabriel said, Mary, you're going to birth the Son of God. You're going to give birth to the male child, to God child, if you will. Um, but Herod, but i got to tell you, Herod's going to try to kill your baby. You're going to have to flee to Egypt for two years. You're going to ride, listen to this, ladies, you're going to ride nine months pregnant on a donkey for 90 miles. No Uber, no Uber, no lift, no extra padding. I want to sit in the front with air conditioning. None of that. You're going to ride on a donkey 90 miles. My in-laws live 100 miles from here. It takes two and a half hours to drive. I can make it in a... Anyway, it takes two and a half hours hope they're watching. Amen. God, they've been watching. It's so good to see them watching us live. It takes two and a half hours to drive, 70 miles an hour. This woman rode nine months pregnant on a donkey, on a donkey, because he will fulfill his promise, but not the way that you thought. What's the difference in these 25%? Get this, because i got to move on is you got to have the ability to recognize the Messiah when he's riding a mule. 
I said, you got to be able to recognize the Christ when he's, walk, when he's riding on a donkey. you got to be able to recognize Jesus because they didn't recognize Jesus when he was walking on the water in the middle of the storm. You will not recognize him sometimes in the middle of your storm. But I'm here to tell you on this Palm Sunday 2021, you may not be able to recognize him in 2020, but he was there. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. In fact, I'll come walking to you in the boat. Somebody give him praise today on this Palm Sunday. Come on. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they were in the fire. They didn't think it would happen to them. They said, our God is able to heal me. My God is able to deliver me. My God is able to make a way. But I love what they said. They had this message. They got this memo because they said, even if it don't happen the way I thought, I'm still not going to bow down to your idol, Nebuchadnezzar. And you know what? Jesus came and he got right in. He didn't deliver them out of the fire. He got into the fire with them. Sometimes he'll deliver you out of the storm. Other times he gets in the storm with you. Can I switch gears and talk about the whip? Everybody say the whip. This ain't not a car that Jesus drove around in. A whip, yeah, John chapter 2 describes what Jesus, when he cleansed the temple, and he says it like this. He says that Jesus made a whip of cords. My Uncle Billy, he's in heaven now, was so privileged to be raised in a home where I have parents that brought me to church and taught me the things of the word of God. You talk about the seeds being planted in the child, even if they stray in the middle, here I am. <laughs> I didn't plan on the middle part raised with uncles and aunts who not only just preached in the pulpit, they lived it at home. I'm, I, I'm telling you, no one's perfect, but they lived it the best they could, and I can see it. My Uncle Billy used to talk about this, about he made a whip. He drove them out of the temple with the sheep and with the oxen, and he poured out the changer monies, and he overturned tables. He made a whip. He made a whip. Can I just talk to you a little bit about the chastening of the Lord? I know this is not going to get played back on YouTube very much. I know. It's, but can I tell you that there is such a thing as the discipline of the Lord, of pruning of the Lord, as we learned in Wednesday night, that he is the vine, we are the branches, and his banner over me is love. And he prunes the vine so we can produce more fruit. Can I just talk about the whip for a moment? He made a whip. Jesus was a carpenter. He, he knew how to make that. But he sat down, the king of glory, Jesus Christ, and he made. It didn't say he went and bought one from someone or told Peter to go buy one. And Peter went and tested it out on a couple guys, and which he probably would do. No, no, Jesus sat down and he made a whip. He made a whip. Some of the things we got going on in our life... Not always. Some of them are when God just, you know, uh, we go through a season. It's not always discipline. It's not always chastening. It's just life. And God is fulfilling his word. But sometimes it's not a devil that God has sent at the storm. It's a discipline of the Lord. <laughs> Come on, you were just shouting a minute ago. Sometimes it's not a devil it's the discipline of the Lord. Sometimes it's not a devil, but our decisions is what got us into the storm. 
Can I say that? Jesus was cleaning the temple. He went to the house of God. Why? Because the Bible says correction and discipline must begin first at the house of God. Because if we get the church right, we'll get the community right. If we get the church right, we'll get the community right. We'll get the families right. We'll get the schools right. We'll get the colleges right. We'll get everything right. It starts always at the house of God. Somebody say, he's talking to me today on this Palm Sunday 2021. He, it starts... It starts with us. It's not always that. You mean, Pastor Eddie, you seriously mean that by our decisions we can cause a storm? Yes. There's a poster child in the Bible for this point. His name is Jonah. Man that loved God, a prophet of the Lord. God said, I want you to do this. I want you to go to Nineveh. He took a boat. Y'all know the story. He went to Tarsus in the exact opposite direction that where God told him to go. And so the Bible caused a storm, not the devil. He caused a storm to come upon him. Well, what's the point of the whip? I don't have it on the screen, but you need to know this, that God's goal for our lives isn't comfort but redemption. You need to know this is another life lesson on Palm Sunday. God's goal for your life isn't comfort. It isn't always comfort, but it is redemption. So God will do whatever it takes to keep us on that path. What did David say? The Lord is my shepherd. And then he goes on and he says he has his staff, his rod comforts me. How does a rod comfort you? A shepherd had a long staff and and had a hook on it on the end of it. And they would use it so to fight off predators and wolves and things. Yeah, absolutely. But also when that lamb began to stray, the shepherd would take that staff and he'd pop it on the side of them. And I talk about discipline. Now I know there's many different forms of discipline here, watching and in the building and to spank or not to spank. And I didn't say abuse, but spank. And I know we could go on and on and on about that and Whatever form of discipline you use, I'll just tell you, I was raised uh, in a home where my mom and dad believed in spanking. Amen. They just did. And I was raised like that. Some of you may not have and uh, whatever you may believe, but I will tell you this, that whatever form you choose to use, you need to use something when it comes to disciplining your children. Because God disciplines us. That's what this whole whip thing is. He's pictured Jesus coming to church and he's flipping over tables. And he's, he made a whip. He's thinking about it in his mind as he's making that whip. I've been, this is the second time, by the way, he cleansed the temple twice. I already had to do this once. I already tried to get him to, to turn things around. But they keep doing it. They keep going back. They keep gossiping. They keep whatever it is, fill in the blank. I'm trying to get them to stop. But they keep on doing it. He made a whip. He went out there and he chased them out. When God begins to bring discipline, you'll notice the favor of God will lift. The blessing of God will lift on that. A storm is coming up in our life. But you need to know some things here. The Bible says in Hebrews, a scripture that you will never see on a refrigerator. Hebrews chapter 12 says this, from whom the Lord loves, he chastens and he scourges. Every son whom he receives, if he endures chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all of you become partakers, then you are illegitimate sons. The King James uses a cuss word. 
No, it uses the B word. It says you are an ill. If God is not disciplining you, this scripture says, then you must not be a child of God. Go to the next one. This is in your Bible. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Oh, so respect comes from correction. Hmm. Shall we not much more readily be in subject to the Father of spirits? He calls God the Father of spirits, for they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. So chastening and discipline, the good news is it doesn't last long. <laughs> My dad used to say, I hated those disciplines that took forever. He would say, you want to get spanked or grounding? Well, grounding wasn't as painful, so I would say grounding. And then after I was grounded for a summer... <laughs> I changed my answer. Seriously, I was grounded for a whole summer. If you found out what I did, you'd ground me too. Amen. So, what did he do? <laughs> Follow me on Twitter, Pastor J A Twitter. No. But after I did that, I said, he asked me again. I said, spanking, spanking, spanking. Amen. Anyway, go to the next one. So that we may be partakers of the holiness, he said. Now, no chasten seems to be joyful for the present time. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Who has been trained by discipline. Go to the next one. Oh, these are the four. Let me just give you these four things. I thought there was one more scripture. I think I cut it out. This is what discipline does. This is what the whip stood for when Jesus come into the temple I said God what? I was going to preach on the donkey or on something else and just stay there all day but he said no bring this out and this is what it is number one discipline is from the Lord discipline is from the Lord Satan and the kingdom of darkness has no discipline no rules anything goes but discipline in fact a disciple of Christ means a disciplined one Discipline. Paul said, I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection for fear that after I have preached, I myself may become a castaway. In other words, he says, there's some principles that I live by as a man of God. There's some standards that I set in place as a Christian. Paul was another one that things didn't turn out the way he thought. I'm going to make you the apostle to the Gentiles, but by the way, you'd be beaten. You're going to be scourged. You're going to be this and that. But getting back to this, discipline is from the Lord. It shows that he loves us. I just read it to you. It shows that, and we need to know this, we've never preached. I don't think I've ever preached this, especially on a Psalm, Palm Sunday or anything like this. But it's so, so important. That discipline, you need to know that, it, that he loves us. What's the opposite of love? You would probably say hate. It is not hate. Hate, if you hate somebody, you actually care because there's emotion involved. The opposite of love is apathy, is I don't even care what happens. I don't even care. That's the opposite of love. If Jesus didn't care about the church, he would not have made no whip. He would have said, guys, I already know what's going on inside that temple. And you know what? I've warned them. I'm, I'm done. Come on. Take me to go get some hummus. Let's go get something to eat. He would have just moved on. But no, he said, in fact, it says when he's descending into Jerusalem on this day before he even got on the donkey, the Bible says he looked at the city of Jerusalem and he wept over the city. And he said, how many times have I sent prophets to you 
and you killed them. How many times have you disobeyed and went into captivity? I would set you free, tell you don't go back into it. You would disobey. You start worshiping other gods. You would get comfortable once I bless you. You would forget about God. And it was a never-ending cycle. That's what the whole Bible really is in the Old Testament. It's this never-ending cycle. It's like this one long groundhog day. God would bless them. They would forget about God. They'd go back out and do whatever they wanted to do. Then they would be taken into captivity. That was God disciplining them. And then they would repent. They would say, I'm sorry. And then God would deliver them. And on and on and on and on it goes. But it says he loves us. It shows that we belong to him. It shows that he is trying to correct us. It said, those that have been trained by the discipline. Listen, this is something that we as Christians need more now today than ever. You have what's called the fruits of the Spirit, and you have the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are given by the Holy Spirit. They're powerful gifts of the Holy Spirit. Words of wisdom, prophecy, uh, praying in tongues, interpretation, healing. We believe in all of that. We, we believe in that. We operate in that. We seek God to be used in that. That's usually the, the, the big thing that everyone's looking for. But how many know that you can't have the gifts without the fruit? The fruits of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit is what people really need the most. It's the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. Um, you know, all of those nine fruit that we don't really emphasize too much. That is what's so important. Well, what's the big difference? A gift is given. A gift is given by the Holy Spirit. But fruit is birthed. Fruits are birthed through intimacy, a, 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 through the process. A tree births the fruit. The, the fruit of the Spirit is, is when you spend time with God, when, when, he, when he does chasten you and when he does say, hey, man, I told you not to do that and, and this is going on. You keep refusing. You keep disobeying. I'm going to pull my presence and my blessing off of you. I've given you this job, but now you never come to church because of the job. I've given you children. You've prayed for children, but now you use the children and never come to the house of God. You never seek me no more. When you were single, you were at the altar every service, worshiping me every day, in your word. Every, when you were sick, you were crying out for me, calling my name every day. But now that you're healed, now that you're blessed, now that you're prosperous, you don't even mention my name. Come on, Palm Sunday. And I'm reading this, I'm saying, God, and I'm looking in the areas in my life because it's so easy to get comfortable. And I remember God just began to work on me throughout this message. I've changed it three or four times, but I said, God, I'm going to do it. Because God is needing people that won't just want to prophesy on Sunday, but treat the waitress with love when you go out on Sunday after church. God's wanting to see some people not be Facebook official Christians, but lifestyle official Christians. The one that's going to live it out in your neighborhood. The one that's going to live it out in day-to-day -day in your marriage and raising your kids. I'm telling you, this is what your kids see. I can't tell you being raised in church. I can point out everybody in my dad's church who was living for God and who wasn't. I lived by Great Lake Steel, so sometimes they would pour the steel into the big metal thing there. And whenever they did it, the whole eastern sky would light up orange. Well, if you were raised in church... There's this thing called the rapture of the church that is going to happen at any moment. And it's always going to come out of the eastern sky because that's what the King James says. So that's what we believe. And I would love it because I'd get new families to the church. I remember the Johnson family was new to our church. They had like six kids. And it was an awesome family. And I remember standing out front. And there was a corner of the church building on Saliat Street in Ecorse. 
that there was a big, big pine tree, and I would stand there, and I knew that thing was getting ready to get real bright because it started to get a little glow. And I started saying, do you know Jesus is getting ready to come? And they would look at me, and I remember Kim, all of them, all big eyes. They all had blonde hair and big eyes, and I was saying, Jesus is getting ready to come. And all of a sudden, that would light up red, and they would go, oh, my gosh. And I'd go, whoop, right through the pine tree and the church. <laughs> True story. I would hear Jeff go, where did he go? Seriously, though, I would come home because I was always afraid of being left behind. Come on, y'all remember that song? You've been left behind. Cars explode. Something else happens. Houses burn. Y'all remember that song? And then it ends with, you've been left behind. I mean, we were always looking for Jesus to come. And I remember coming home and my mom and dad would be gone because I was just out there sneaking around, sneaking around. But you know what? I knew who to call in the church because I knew who wasn't going to go and who was going to go. <laughs> I ain't lying. I wish I was lying, but I, I remember I called. Because <laughs> kids know everything. Come on, somebody. You be in church, somebody, woo! You may even have some banners and took your jacket off, woo! But your kids are like, mm-hmm. Hey, but let me tell you something real about it, guys. Sometimes you go, how come God, how come you're not doing this? And God is saying, listen. Kids will never do what we tell them to do. They will become what we are. And I would literally call people. They would say, hello, and I'd say, I just want to say hi, and Jesus loves you. <laughs> One time I called my aunt and uncle, and they weren't home, and they were the real deal. I really got scared. And then I was so happy when mom come walking through the See, their cars would be out front when they went for a walk. But they come walking through that side door on Charlotte Street. I was so happy to see mom and dad. That's a little... Another little story in the Chronicles of a Church Kid. But if you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. I said, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. So he uses, though, he uses the whip. Come on, church. He uses the whip to develop character in our lives. I know we went from preaching to teaching, but I got to get this to you. God created the heavens and the earth in three chapters. But it took him 13 chapters to create character in Joseph. Please get this today. Three chapters and he created all the beauty that you see. 13 chapters to get Joseph's character developed. Because he was going through the prison. Number one, it wasn't the way. God fulfilled his promise, but not the way he thought. With him, it, was, it wasn't really so much as discipline, but it was going through the storm. But it was developing character. God will use the storm for character. He also uses correction for character development. We are supposed to be the salt of the earth. The Bible says that salt, salt is the earth, is what we're called to do. Salt makes everything with more flavor. And the Bible says when salt loses its flavor, it is thrown out into the dung heap. God is looking for us. We're supposed to be the ones that are rising up and saying, hey, man, I may not be perfect, but, man, I got the fruits of the Spirit. Jesus says, you'll know my disciples because they worship the loudest. They post on Facebook. Come on, you know what I'm going to say? No, but by their fruit, by their fruit, this is just so important. It's crazy. We need to let the Holy Spirit develop fruit in our lives. And he does it through a lot of times through the chastening, you got to get the Jonah off your boat. And then I'm going to close. Jonah was the one, it's a perfect example, who disobeyed God. But you ever think about the other people that was on the boat who never did anything wrong? They were just minding their own business. 
But all of a sudden, they went into a storm. Remember, they said they got together and they said, man, I don't know what's going on. Every, the sun was shining. Everything was going great. Then all of a sudden, the storm came. And, man, we're getting seasick. Man, we're getting sick. What's going on? One of you messed up. And they cast lots. And Jonah admitted, he goes, yeah, it's me. It's me. And he said, the only way to get this out, the only way for the storm to pass is to get me out of your life is to get me out of your life. Can I, I don't mean to preach this way, but here it comes. There's some folks in your storm that God is saying, hey, you need to detach and deconnect from those people because that is exactly why you're going into the storm over and over. It's not a devil. It's a decision. It's not a devil. It's a decision. It's not a storm. It's discipline. I'm, I love you. I got a plan for you, but you keep, you got to let them go. You got to come out of them. Get them off your boat. Hallelujah. Whew. Hallelujah. Jesus. The whip. That's what the whip is. The whip. Think back at the times in my life when God was working. I learned this when I first got saved. He was working in my life, dealing with me about a situation that related to my work. And everybody in my company was doing it as drivers, and I was so I was doing it. It wasn't a big deal, but God began to convict me of it. And I begin to, it's, it's a long story, and I don't want to go into it too much, but man, he just lifted his favor off of me at that job. In, in eight months, I had three occurrences with a little, little accident, little fender benders, just things were going wrong. I was losing product. I was just, God was dealing with me the whole time. My boss even called me in, one of the owners. It was owned by two brothers, and he called me in. He said, Eddie, you, you, you've always been like, I mean, they just gave me four raises and all this, you know, and I, man, all God was dealing with me, though, that it's time to move out of that and, and quit what, what I was doing. I began to seek God, and I knew exactly what God was doing. It was time for me to straighten up and to quit that and move forward. This was 22 years ago. Every time I listened to the radio, Joyce Meyer was talking about pruning. Every time I turned on the television, some pastor was talking about the chastening of the Lord. How I many know when God is dealing with you, you will hear it and see it everywhere you go? Everywhere you go. And I said, okay, God. And I switched jobs. I, I went, I made it in my heart. I said, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to totally, I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to surrender this issue, everything. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live right in every area of my life in this area. It wasn't a sin I was doing, but it was stuff that God was dealing with me that caused me to go into strip clubs and to bars and to the atmosphere. And I was trying to be clean and break free from that lifestyle of drugs and alcohol. And I'm delivering product in there and I'm caught up in it. And I'm not, I wasn't doing any of it, but it was stealing me. It was weighing me down. I was not, I was struggling so much. Again, it wasn't a storm. It was my decision that was bringing that on me. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to make this decision. I'm going to step on a faith. I got a wife and two kids. We just bought a house in Melvindale. I mean, everything's going fine, and you want me to walk out of this job. For me, it was this job thing. And I said, I am. I went and got applications. I put my resumes out. I never forget, I walked into the church. I'm closing, by the way. Worship team, you can start coming. I'm standing in the church, and my dad was preaching at a tent revival. And uh, remember the tent revivals? It was an outside meeting there, and this was right around 2000. And one, that was 1999, it was before 2000s, and a guy I never met before was behind me, and he, he saw me, my wife, and my two daughters coming into the church there, and he, he said, hey, he leaned up, he tapped me on the shoulder, he goes, uh, 
I know this sounds weird. You don't know me. I don't know you, but my name is so-and-so, and I don't know, but are you looking for a job? I about fell out of my seat. I said, yeah. He said, actually, he pulled out a card. He goes, I work for Intamins. Have you heard of Intamins? I said, nope. I heard of Hostess. <laughs> he said, well, you're bad for business, boy. And he got me a job. I went into that job. I ended up making double by the end of that year than what I made the previous year. Blue Cross, Blue Shield, 30 and out. Delta Dental, the full package. And that's the last point of tables. The last point is tables. Why don't you stand with me? What does the tables represent? We've been sitting at tables, but God sometimes wants to flip some tables. The tables are those things that get into place. What it was is the children, what happened, there was not a... It was okay for them to sell sacrifice, animals for sacrifices, because people were traveling from all over the area, and they didn't want to carry the animals. They would buy them there, and they would sacrifice them. The sacrificial system was in place. Or they would exchange their money. Some of them had Roman coin. Roman coins had the, uh, the mark of the emperor. So the Jews said that's pagan money. So they would exchange their money for the holy money, the Jewish shekel. So what the Pharisees did is they said, you know what? We're going to not just sell it outside of the building. We're going to bring it into the Gentile court. Please listen. This is so important. And they said the Gentile court is where all the Jew, all the Gentiles, the, the lame, the sick, the people that, you know, are statistics not going to be good people and the, the outcast of society. We're supposed to meet there and encounter God. They set up the tables and the merchandise and didn't allow anyone to come and encounter the presence of God. They begin to uh, upgrade, upsell everything. Everything was about money. They begin to make money and no longer was there prayer. No longer was there the, uh, the presence of God wasn't important in the church anymore. It was all a little bit of programs. They didn't care about people. It was all about the money. Something that can happen in our church even in America today. And Jesus came in. That's why he said, this is supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations. This is the Gentile court. This is for those that are the outcast, the Zacchaeuses. And he flipped over the tables. And look at the last verse. Then, everybody say then. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. When he removed the tables out of the, out of the court, when I aligned myself and obeyed God, the blessings begin to come. My question is this, what tables have you set back up in 2020? Have you set some tables back up of where it once was empty because you used to meet with God, but now he's, you know, during 2020, it's been tough. You begin to set up some tables, you know, you begin to do this and you begin to do that. And no longer is it a priority to worship God. No, no longer is it a priority to come to God and, 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 to, and to give and to tithe and to worship. And God is just kind of like, you know, I put a table in the place and another table here. And then another table pops up. Pretty soon there's no ministry. There's no touch from God. You can't come to a worship night because, you know, you just got stuff to do. You don't want to come. I'm not talking about a COVID situation. We use COVID as an excuse today. I can't do that because of COVID. You know, I saw you at Walmart just yesterday. I saw you there without a mask running around, but you can't come to church. We need to sometimes move the tables out of the way and say, it's my excuses, God. It's because I'm not desperate for you. It's because I found something else better to do. And that's what Jesus cleaned the tables out for. That's why he said, some spring cleaning in the house of God. How about that today? 
Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word today. Come on, these altars are open. If you want to step out, you can. If you don't, you can't put your mask on. It's up. This is a, I don't know where you are, if you've been vaccinated, what, what your feeling is. But this is right now a moment for God. Where did this message minister to you? Is it a correction thing? God's been telling you about it. It's time to line up with them. Others, you've been doing everything right. It just hasn't turned out the way you thought. Well, come on, you need to learn to recognize the Messiah on the mule. Palm Sunday is also a time to remove the tables that you've put back up. You're watching online and you set some tables back up. Come on, now's the time to move it. Now's the time to move the tables. Jesus did it once. Here we are again. Three years later, they did it again. He had to do it again. Sometimes we set those tables right back up. Some of you, you were set free. You were clean before COVID. You were on fire for God. You had a testimony. You were living for the Lord. But now, tables are there. Palm Sunday is about removing those tables today. Come on, you need to remove those tables today. Remove them out of your heart. Move them out of your life. I'm coming back to church. I'm getting back into my word. I'm getting back on track. Come on, I'm getting back in there, Lord. Come into my heart. Just like you came into the city and you cleaned out the temple. Come on, come back into my heart and clean out my heart, Lord. Come on, flip over tables if you got to. Bring a whip if you got to. But Lord, I want a blessing. I want healing. I want to be set free on this day. This is what you came to do, Jesus. Come on, lift your hands to him. That's a posture of surrender today. And as we worship, just connect with God right now. Reflect on this word. These altars are open. If you're at home, make an altar right there. Just reach out to him right now. Let him come. He's coming on a mule. Some of you don't know what's going on in your life. You're there at that first day. That first point was for you. Recognize that he's with you. He's never going to leave you. Spirit, speak to our hearts. Make it clear. Make it clear, Lord. Come on, worship, worship, worship. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you receive some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Light, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people, and you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.